The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Let's fly around the continent now with uh, Victor Khomiaswana, author of Africa Bounces Back and Marketing and Communication Executive Director at the University of Lepopo. Uh, Victor, welcome to The Money Show again. Let's start off in Kenya now. Uh, Helios exits Telcom Kenya after offloading that 60% stake. Good to talk to you again, man. It, it is a very interesting decision because, remember, Telcom Kenya was not really a large company, Motel. It, it didn't have a lot of subscribers. So the acquisition of this UK-based finance company, although it's, it's founded by a Nigerian, it was, to, 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 it was banking on the merger with Airtel. Now, when that merger fell through and it didn't happen, there was no business case for for Helios to be in in Kenya, at least not for the purposes of making the most of Telcom Kenya. It's not a very good sign, but I mean, unfortunately, the mergers and acquisitions, you know, you're experienced in this area. Anything can happen once you announce that you want to merge. It's not like Airtel and Telcom were big players getting into the industry to threaten the monopoly of companies like Safari or anything. So I don't quite know what led to the failure of, of that major, but that's what happens when Helios is, is exiting Kenya. What does it mean now for the Kenyan government? Do they still go out and look for a private partner again and get a 40% stake instead of getting that controlling stake of 60? Yeah, that's the thing. Telcom is not a large enough company, so I can't even find an equivalent in South Africa of what it would be in the mobile telephony. If if it had been something like Safaricom, yes, I would say they would see it as a hurry. But you know what? With with changing political climate, you know there's been an election. Never know with African continent. So maybe maybe William President Ruto will, will, will see this as an opportunity to to go out and do something to keep foreign direct investment coming in Kenya. But I'm not quite sure what will happen because as I say, Telcom Kenya is not a big enough player. Yeah, I think you're quite right. If you can't sign with Etel Kenya, who else do you sign with in, in that particular country? Exactly. exactly. Unless they go across the border looking for other players like Tanzania, I'm sure that will be the case. It, it's one of those who have been, let's say, victims of the political, changing political fortunes of that country with the, with the changes of William Ruto replacing Uhuru Kenyatta against expectations of even President Kenyatta or former President Kenyatta himself. So I'm sure we will, it will become clear exactly what happened. But as for Helios, that has been consolidating his position on the African continent. I think they just felt it's not something worth waiting around for. There are lots more exciting things to do on the African continent in the telecommunication space. Well, still staying in East Africa, I like uh, intra-Africa trade. And when I see some deals coming through, I'm, I'm always so excited. Uh, Tanzania and Mozambique are joining hands to explore hydrocarbons. What's happening there? Exactly. You know, Tanzania is one of those countries that will get upset with you for not acknowledging them as a natural gas economy because they have abundant reserves in, in the Indian Ocean and they have been doing a lot of good work. And then you know, Mattel, that uh, Cabo Delgado, which is the far north province of Mozambique, which is where the border with Tanzania is, has experienced a lot of turbulence. And part of the turbulence, the, uh, the Al-Shabaab insurgents that were targeting petroleum establishments, including the, the company, the, the factory owned by Total, the French company. So 
this collaboration is more than just about hydrocarbons. Yes, it will be a lot of good, uh, sorry, good news for uh, intra-Africa trade and investment because it's two neighboring countries that dominate the east coast of southern Africa. But the real value is that before this, Mozambique and Tanzania were collaborating in telecommunications as well, sort of sharing telecommunications infrastructure. What that tells you is they are collaborating in monitoring. They want to collaborate in monitoring and containing that that insurgency because it has not been good for both economies. Mozambique, as the country where it's mainly happening, but Tanzania by virtue of sharing a border. So it is good because it's pursuing natural gas reserves that are obviously in a contiguous kind of, of reef in the in the Indian Ocean, but it also helps that Southern African collaboration on the East Coast between two major economies to make sure they can contain uh, uh, what is it, the spread of terror, which is pretty good for sovereign risk for not only Mozambique, which is part of SADC, but also Tanzania, which is both a member of SADC and the East African community. Look, it makes uh, business sense for the, both the governments. In fact, I'm wondering why it didn't happen before in terms of that uh, uh, gas deal. But also it gives Mozambique a chance to have a partner in terms of fighting the insurgents in the country. Precisely, and, and that's what we need. If you remember, when there was insurgency and SADC was taking its time deploying forces, who ended up leading the way and deploying the soldiers into quell the, the insurgency? It was Rwanda. And, and people were asking, why is Rwanda, which is not a member of the SADC community, going out and getting involved in SADC? Well, it was obvious because SADC is not including Rwanda, but Rwanda shares the border with Tanzania, and Tanzania shares the border with Mozambique. So Rwanda was looking at the possibility that whatever happens in Mozambique can spill over into Tanzania, and because they are facing the problems of the RNC, they wanted nothing to do with any any kind of possibility or risk of insurgency. So it's, it's a complex story, but it's good that two African countries are collaborating with one another to, to contain this. Another good news story coming out from the continent, South Sudan and Djibouti signing a memorandum of understanding to lay fiber optic cables. Of course, the continent is still far behind the rest of the world. So when things like this happen, it's always good news. Exactly. And, and to me, Motel Backlog is an opportunity. True, we are not part of the multi-billion dollar internet of sense economy, but that's where the real opportunities are. So this is, I mean, what the distance between Juba, which is the capital of South Sudan, and Djibouti, which is a city-state between Eritrea and Ethiopia in the Horn of Africa. Very critical, critical country because that's the only route that Ethiopia at one stage had access to see before they built the southbound link with Mombasa in Kenya. But the essence of this is this fiber optic cable is part of a very aggressive move towards connecting to that East African submarine cable and the seacom infrastructure that's in the Indian Ocean. So this Djibouti and South Sudan, although South Sudan is still very far in terms of developing other infrastructure like roads and railroads and harbors and airports, it is at least good that it's getting onto the internet or the super information superhighway. 
And this is not the only project. It will be probably over 2,000 kilometers of this the MOU signed by the two countries. But not long ago, South Sudan also signed another deal and Liquid Technologies, which is part of the Strive Masiwa companies, the Econet Group, was building a 200 kilometer fiber optic cable between Juba and, and the border of, 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 of Uganda. So it is good for that part of East Africa because those two fiber optic cables in the Indian Ocean are almost like, what shall I call it, unutilized or un, unexploited fiber optic capacity. So building these kinds of lines connecting countries that are landlocked like South Sudan and Uganda and Rwanda to the fiber optic cable of infrastructure in the Indian Ocean is, is, is a no-brainer. It should have happened much earlier, but it's good to see that Djibouti is not just focusing on itself being a port for sea freight and all that. It is also looking to getting on the information superhighway again. And just quickly on the sporting side, the 2025 Africa Cup of Nations, Morocco uh, putting its hand up uh, in terms of a bid uh, as Guinea yeah. was stripped of the finals uh, in terms of hosting uh, the, the, the tournament. Yeah. Exactly. Guinea, as you know, had a coup, and although the military junta committed that they will be able to host the competition, Patrice Mozik and Afghanistan, they know, wait a minute, it's not, we are not satisfied with the, with the progress being made. And he was there in Conakry, the capital of Guinea, and he's saying, look, out of respect, I had to come to the country, but you haven't made enough progress. Or maybe, and he said, reassuring the government, that if you get your act together, you can be in line to bid for the 2027 competition. But for the 2025 one, they are out of the running. So Morocco, having hosted the Women's Championship, Africa Championships, is, is a favorite to get that going. Well, that was the Africa Wrap, the Africa Business Focus with Victor Homiaswana giving us some of the good news stories coming out of the continent. He's, of course, the author of Africa Bounces Back and the Marketing and Communications Executive Director at the University of Limpopo.